today, uh, Romans 1, verse number 6, if you will. And uh, we'll, we'll just read here, um, and we'll get the morning started. Romans chapter 1, verse number 6, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you'll notice verse 8, first. So 1 through 7, really actually down through uh, verse 18 is the intro to the book. But as we get started here, the first seven verses are kind of a category together and then uh, and so forth. And we kind of come here to the end of the first little section um, where he says, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So then you have that wonderful uh, opening here. There are four things here in these two verses that we're going to spend some time looking at because they literally kick theology in the teeth right here, right off the bat. Okay, and it's very just as we were talking last week in verse five there about the all nations issue, where people say, well, Paul had two sendings. There's two bodies of the of Christ. He was talking to a Jewish audience here and then a Gentile audience there, and they begin to kind of twist that stuff around. Now Paul is going to go and he's going to say verse six, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at the fact here first this morning about being the called of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 7, we're going to talk about the beloved of God. Then in verse 7, we are called to be saints. And then the issue of, the, of grace and peace and so forth. Uh, at, at, and, and there uh, that uh, hit Paul's, sorry, got an itch. <laughs> Paul's. Uh, normal opening and greeting to everyone. So again, when you come to the book of Romans, that 45th book, right off the bat, there's some things here that are shocking. And again, Paul being one of them, writing to the Gentiles. But now this issue here of being called, and all through the book of Romans, Paul uses terms, called, chosen, lead, led, predestinated, foreknowledge, all these terms that theology has come along and has corrupted and polluted and make it into something that, it's, that is not found in Scripture. Um, I, it, it's just fascinating to me that the, theology, and they get away with it. That's what kills me, okay, that the people haven't studied it enough on their own to stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. Covenant theology is the old term. Reformed is the new term, okay? If you know Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer man, he's a reformed guy. He's a Calvinist. He says everything in the Bible is a spiritual issue and found in the hearts of men and all this stuff. He denies the Apostle Paul. He denies the distinctive ministry and so forth. But they, they begin to proclaim and say and they use these verses to say it, that before the foundation of the world, God has chosen a select group of people 
to be the elect. Now, when we get over in Romans 9, we'll talk about the elect and everything. And let me just say, in Scripture, that just ain't so. Okay? And we're going to look at some of it this morning. By the way, election in the Scripture, being one of the elect, is about service, not about salvation to eternal life. Paul, uh, the, in Isaiah, the, Isaiah says, God the Father says, Behold mine elect, talking about his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if election has to do with salvation, then the Lord had to get saved. And we know that just isn't the case. It is in their minds. Now what they do is they do a little, a little jig and a little dance, and they get around it, and they, or they try to. But let me ask you something. This is 2020. What is this year, what, what's the big moment going to happen in November of this year? What do we have? An election, right? Now, we're going to elect someone to the government to do what? Serve us. Not save us, but serve us. See? Okay, you follow that? So election equals service. If you remember that, everywhere in Scripture, election equals service, it'll save you a lot of heartache. And it'll give you something that when someone's yakking in your ear about it, you can just go, are you done yet? Okay, now we can have, you know. You know when a, liar's, uh, when a lawyer's lying, his lips are moving, you know, that old thing, okay? That's the idea. But when you come here, he says, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ? And again, the Calvinist and the Arminianist, that's the big debate, right? Well, we're, we are, I am neither nor. I am neither a Calvinist nor an Arminianist. I'm a Bible believer. Okay, I'm actually a dispensational Bible believer. So that's where we need to be. We don't need to follow the, the theology of it. God chose, he, again, when you read the verses and you look at Scripture, we're going to do this this morning, and, and we'll do it as it comes to us through the book. When you just simply read the verses and all the terms that pop up, and you let the verses say what the verses say. We're studying Matthew on Wednesday night. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. There are great principles in the Sermon on the Mount for us today. You know how I know that? Because Paul talks about them. The Lord talks about them doctrinally to the nation of Israel, the little flock in the tribulation. But you can pull because Paul does. So what do we have to do? Let the verses lay where they lay. Don't pull yourself back under the... By the way, blessed are the meek, that's the big one. They shall inherit the what? We don't inherit the earth. Who inherits the earth? Israel. So we know who he's talking to. And if you don't know that, just read verse 1 of chapter 5. He's sitting in the mount talking to his, his disciples. <laughs> Duh. Who are those guys? Okay. <laughs> there they are. But the thing is, is there's great principles in there about not committing adultery, not committing fornication. Paul tells you the same thing. See? So it isn't that the information, it's the doctrine belongs to Israel. But what do you do? You let the verses sit where they sit and talk to who they talk to. Okay? We were just in chapter 7 and talking about judging, not judging lest you be judged and so forth. Paul says the same thing to the Corinthians. It says it in three or four different chapters. So the principle is there. 
That's what it is here when we come to the called issue in verse 6. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. So we're going to let the verses tell us and define for us when he talks about the, this issue about being called. Okay? If you'll notice verse 6 carefully. Among whom? Verse 5. By whom? So we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about the seed of David. We're talking about that, that stuff we discussed in verse 3 and 4 and the power of his resurrection. and, all, and we, in, By whom? Then in verse 6, in whom? Among whom? Are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? Now notice carefully what the verse does not say. Called unto salvation called unto eternal life how about called by Jesus Christ how about called to Jesus Christ Is any of that in that verse those are the leading arguments of the Calvinistic movement right now and they use that verse to do it and they do a little song and dance and what they do is they change the verse so they go and use the ESV was their big Bible it's actually they have their own now, it's called the Reform Bible, and they butcher these things to promote the what? The theology, not the truth, okay? Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. So the called, that's simply belonging to someone, the person, to, a, to somebody. We are what God has made us where? In Christ. It's interesting, everywhere you find this issue about the called in Paul's epistles, as well as in the other passages in, the, in, the, in, in the, uh, Israel's program, the Lord Jesus Christ is close by in the verse. None of it has to do with salvation. None of it has to do to eternal life. There's only one verse in Paul, we'll look at it in a little bit here, where eternal life even shows up in the verse, and it has nothing to do about the called part of the verse. <laughs> okay? So when we talk about being the called of Jesus Christ, we belong to Christ. That's who we belong to. The called, that's where we're at. And what begins to happen here, come over to 2 Peter chapter 3. I just want to run some verses with you, because down in verse 7, we're going to be called to be saints. So you got to get the calling part right to understand the saint part right. Because what happens in verse 7 is the Roman Catholics reach up and say, see, now we're going to have the sainthood thing. Because everybody, you're to be called to be saints, so we're going to have a little group of men over here figure out who's going to be the saints, and we're going to call them to be saints. See how they just use that verse? has nothing to do with what he's talking about. Okay? The call. Look at 2 Peter 3. Now, in 2 Peter 3, Peter, he's in trouble a little bit here because verse 4, the scoffers coming out of verse 3, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Boy, isn't that the truth? They preach that false doctrine for the filthy lucre's sake. They're after their own lust. And what are they saying? Where's the promise of his coming? Come on, Pete. You said, the, you said the kingdom's coming. Where is it? You're a liar, Peter. 
You're a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's you, Pete. You're a liar. You told us all this wonderful stuff. You preached it to us. You led us down that road. You're a liar, Pete. Where is this coming? Now watch verse 9 where Peter answers him. And he gives him the perfect answer. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What's his promise? The promise of his coming, the kingdom promise, right? As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Long-suffering, where'd that come from? How does he understand that? Well, look at verse 15. You see, Peter's answer is the long-suffering of God. And how are we going to understand what the long-suffering of God is? Well, how about verse 15 and 16? An account that the long-suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord, is what? Salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them. What, you know what Peter says? Look, guys, you want to know why the delay is, why we've not seen the coming yet. It isn't because I lied to you. It's because we're in the long-suffering of God now. And you want to understand that, you need to go to see who? See Paul. Okay? Now, go back to verse 9, because when we talk about this thing about the calling, and, and what really what begins to happen out there in theology is they say, see, back there before the world began, God's got this little group of people, and only them is he going to give that special gift of faith. He's going to put faith in them so then they can, by faith, trust what Christ did for them. Does that make any sense? I mean, when you just hear it, you go, huh? But now watch the rest of verse 9. But as long-suffering to usward, not willing that only the small group should perish. That who? That any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Notice what God's attitude is. He's not talking about just this little group of people over here. By the way, he's, Peter's talking to the apostate nation in 2 Peter, as well as the little flock. Now, is the little flock a little group over here? Sure. They've done what? They've come to the porter, John's baptism. They've entered into the sheepfold correctly. They're following the Lord Jesus Christ. They've answered. They're right there where they belong to be. They believe that Christ was the Messiah. He is their king, and they got this. He, they're right there. And God says, my attitude, my will, is that the rest of everybody does what? Comes to repentance. Gets in that little group over there. Nothing about a predetermined group to be saved. What's his will? That all come to repentance. Isn't that interesting? Even Peter says that. Come back to 2 Timothy. I'm sorry, 1 Timothy. Chapter 2, I, I just, again, I, I look around sometimes, I know I'm, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but sometimes I don't know, you know. Uh, we have a lot of closet Calvinists, I'll be honest with you, where you think that God preordained something to happen and blah, you know, you get on it. But when you come to Scripture, that just isn't so, Charlie. <laughs> it really isn't. You have to, what does those verses say? And this issue about the called of Jesus Christ... Folks, we belong to Christ. That's who we belong to. 
And we'll see that as we go here, I hope. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will? What's the will of God here? Have a small group that's going to be called the elect get saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4. No, he would have what? All men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Last time I checked, all men all as number one definition, everything included. See, all men, not just a specific group over here. By the way, if you're in that little group they call the elect and you don't persevere to the end, guess what you really weren't? one of the elect. You weren't really saved. I mean, it's a dastardly deal when you say that God said, you go to heaven, you go to hell. You go to heaven, you go to heaven, you go to heaven, you guys, that row, you're all going to hell. That's dastardly. You guys, go. he didn't do that. The gospel message is what? To everyone, equally, on an equal footing. Come back to Acts 17. I mean, that's, I wasn't pointing specific people out up here. <laughs> I was trying to make a point. Uh, poor Lay looks at me like, I'm going to hell? What's going on? <laughs> You're not. I'm just trying to drive home the point, okay? Acts 17. Some, sometimes we get stuffy shirts and you need to relax a little bit. Acts 17. Look, if you will, here at verse 30. Acts 17, 30. Paul is preaching here. He's up on Mars Hill. He's been dealing with the, the guys there, the Stoics and the Epicureans. By the way, verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too, you are too superstitious. When Paul tells Timothy to give attendance to reading, one of the things to, to read not only is the Word of God, three chapters a day, by the way. You should be doing it. I know you don't get the text reminders, but by now you ought to have the... the it only takes a couple months to get the habit built into you to do it if you were doing it. But it's also to be well-read. For Paul to stand up and deal with the Epicureans and the Stoics means he understands them. He understands where they're coming from. So he's done what? He's read them. So you have to, there's, I think we should cut that verse in Timothy down too short to say just reading the book. That's number one. But then also you need to read some other things too. Now don't go jump off the cliff with them, but read them because you've been reading what first? You've been reading the Word of God first. Then you go read, you go read somebody else over here and you go, wait a minute, that doesn't match that. So we just kick, you know, chew up the... You, you know what you do with the T-bone, don't you? You eat the whole thing and spit the T-bone out later, don't you? You know, or toss it and gnaw on it, you know, get the goods off of it. Look at verse 30. And the times, Paul's talking here, of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth, what? All men everywhere to repent. Isn't that interesting? Not just a specific little group, not the called, not the chosen ones, but all men. Come over to Romans 3. Romans chapter 3. I go through these verses, you know, hopefully you're familiar with them. 
because these are the verses that begin to demonstrate that when people start talking about stuff, that you can say, hang on a minute. By the way, the word predestined, the word foreknowledge, what does it mean? No, some, foreknowledge. I knew something aforetime, <laughs> you know. How about predestinate? Destination, predetermined, right? It's right there in the Word. I've got volumes written on both of those words. I read them and I go, this is a, I get through, I got through one, I got through the first two chapters, I put it down so it's a waste of my time. <laughs> Why? Because what those words are defined for you in Scripture clearly, but the theologian guy has to make his bucks, so he's got to sell the book. I picked it up at the second book hand store for, you know, three quarters of the price because the title caught my attention, and I'm like, ah, huh. I'm like, oh, no, no wonder it was at the second-hand bookstore, <laughs> you know. Look at, you found Romans 3 now, right? Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto who? All. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is to who? To all. Now watch the qualifier. And upon all. So you see that? Upon all that what? Believe. You see, the qualifier showed up. He dies for everybody. The gospel message is going to go to everyone. The cross work of Christ is for everyone. But there's a qualifier, and that qualifier is the issue of faith. You've got to trust him. The condition there. The qualifier. The requirement, whatever you want to say to it, says what? Upon all. And that upon all, that's the called of Jesus Christ. It's, an, it's who you are. You belong now to him. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. This verse ought to popped in your mind when, when, that, when we read Romans 3. 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 10. You guys, I'm trying not to spend a lot of time on what the... Theologians say, but because most of you understand what they're saying and doing, I just want you to see in Scripture, you come to Scripture, none of that's true. None of it's accurate. They will say, well, look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. He's the Savior of who? All men, isn't he? Calvary, he qualified to be the Savior of all men because of Calvary. He's qualified. He died for them all. But that verse didn't end there, did it? Especially to them that, to those, especially of those that believe. You see, the real issue in all this is faith. So you know what they say? They say, see, look over there. God reached down to this special little group of people and gave them the gift of faith. Well, think about that. If God enters into a man and gives him faith, is that man not saved or unsaved? He is saved. God's in him. That's what it would be. God entered into the man. Now, he doesn't do that because the guy's what? unsaved, he's a sinner, 
But what happens when you trust Calvary? What does he do? He comes in. But he comes in by what? By faith. You see, come over to Titus 2. You see, folks, uh, these guys get going. You know, you, you, you think about, I don't know if you, the, the little group out there called the Preterist, who say the kingdom has already been uh, accomplished. All the prophetic program has been accomplished. It's all done. It was done in 70 A.D. This is a short version of what they say. By the way, they're modified. There's hyper. There's all these different groups within this group. And they all say the other. They just, one extreme goes further. So then when you say, well, if this is the kingdom, then everything in Scripture is a lie because this isn't the kingdom. And they say, oh, no, the kingdom now is in the hearts of men. And it's a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. And I'm going, the hearts of men are desperately wicked. <laughs> Even for believers, it's still desperately wicked. You know? I'm like, oh, okay. But see, they use this stuff. Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Again, the, the scriptural premise... where we have to start with is that Christ is the Savior of all mankind. Not just a small group. And the mechanism that triggers the benefit side of that is placing faith in that, in Him. You see, there's a benefit side to it. You know, join the company, go through the interview, one of the questions that they tell you to ask is about the benefits. What's the package? Well, we do this, this, and this. Okay, great. <laughs> I would like that, 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 and then this, this, and that. And they, they look at you and say, there's the door, dude. <laughs> Number next. No, what are you looking for? There's a benefit to it. And the benefit to Calvary, one of the many benefits, is to be called the called of Jesus Christ. You belong to him. Then he extends this message to everyone equally, doesn't he? You're in Titus. Flip back to 1 Timothy 1. It's a message designed, by the way, for the sinner, not the elect. Okay? Now, again, elect and you and I are the elect. You got 1 Timothy? I told you that, right? First, first Timothy, what did I tell you? One? Okay, hold on to there. Flip back to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. One of our titles, one of our names, just like that word saint is our name. One of our titles, Colossians 3, 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. One of our titles is the elect. If you're in Christ, one of the benefits is to be the elect. But election means, elect means what? Service. There's nothing in any of these verses about getting saved until you do what? Place your faith in Christ. Now come back to 1 Timothy 1. So this message, the gospel message is presented to everyone equally. It's designed for sinners, not the elect. Why? Because the elect are, are what? They're saints. 
They're the saved. Look at 1 Timothy 1.15. What's Paul say? This was a faithful saying, worthy of acceptation, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save the elect, of whom I am chief. Doesn't say that, does he? He says the, the what? The sinners. Romans 3 there, verse 23, for all have sinned. What the message is going to all mankind, isn't it? The sinners, not the elect. Come back over to 2 Thessalonians 2. I mean, this one is the one that they brutalize. It's unreal. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 14. Because they don't like the word called. So they do a little thing. You see, folks... The scripture says that God extends eternal life to everyone equally. The condition is that they place, is to that they faith. They place their faith, their trust in what Christ accomplished for them at Calvary. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel. Isn't that interesting? He called you. The call goes out to everyone equally because that's the gospel. Notice how they were called. You're the elect. I'm going to give you the gift and then you're going to do it. How were you called? You heard the gospel. The gospel of your salvation in Ephesians 1 verse 13. You were caught. By the way, look in verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, notice, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called. You see that beginning chosen you? Oh, see, look, before the foundation of the world, God chose you to salvation. But that doesn't fit verse 14 then, does it? Whereunto he called you by what? Our gospel. So what's the chosen you to salvation in the verse 13 then? How about it's all that mess from verse 2 down about the Antichrist and the end times. That's what he chose you. What did, where are you, by the way? You're in Christ. You're in the church, the body of Christ. Before the foundation of the world, he said, My, that body will not go through the 70th week of Daniel. So what did I choose you to? Salvation from what? From the wrath to come. See, let the verses sit where they sit. They'll help you out. So verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the, of the glory of notice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? He called you, and the Lord Jesus Christ is right in that same verse. Because you become the called of Jesus Christ. Folks, we're a part of a group. Come back over to Romans 8. We're part of a group. And God's intention is for everyone to be saved, not just a little group of people. He would rejoice if all men were saved. Okay? Yet to those who respond to the gospel by faith, we are, call, we are the called of Jesus Christ. I hope you appreciate that. It's a, it's a title. It's who you are. 
we now have the benefits of being called, belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that's a wonderful group of people to be a part of. See, this has nothing to do with you coming along and all this other monkey stuff. This happens to do with who you are in Christ. There's a great thing where you have to, you have to understand the difference between our standing and our state. You have to understand, there's a difference there. They are different. I'll show you that here in just a second with the Corinthians, okay? Because our standing, our identity is what? We are the called of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. Our state, our condition here in time varies and differs all the time, doesn't it? But our standing never changes, okay? Sorry, I grimaced. I hurt my shoulder yesterday. Okay, gracefully, I was told, but I heard it anyway. We're a part of that wonderful group here, folks. Look at Romans 8. Notice verse 28. Again, a verse that these verses, man, they just, they get punched between, but if you leave them where they're sitting. So in Romans 8, are we talking about unsaved people or are we talking about saved people? I hope you know we're talking about saved. He's talking to saved people. Because if you come out of the first five chapters and you believe what the verse, what Scripture tells you, guess what you are? You're justified. You're saved to, unto eternal life. So he's not talking any of this is about your justification. He's now talking about your walk. We call it sanctification. But we're, he's here now in... in, in Romans 8, starting down in this passage, he's literally talking about God's faithfulness to get some things done with you. Look at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Ooh, there it is. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pass the offering plate. Everybody's doing hunky-dory. But there's more to that verse, isn't there? To them which are called according to his purpose. You see, we're called according to what? Anything in there about eternal life? I don't even have it in red letters. Not to call us to, but we're called according to. We're a part of his eternal purpose. We're participating in that. Verse 29, for whom, now he's going to tell us about his purpose. According to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Okay, there we go. Oh no, here it is, predestination. Woo. But notice what the predestination is connected to. To be conformed to the image of his son. You see, it has nothing to, actually that part, right, he doesn't even, have, he ain't talking about the heavenly places, he's talking about right now to be conformed to what? The image of his son. You see, before the, found, God over here said, hey, I'm going to get a group of people, we're going to call them the church, the body of Christ, and they're going to have a conformity thing to my son. You see, folks, the son, he's the center of it all, he's the heartbeat of it all, he's the source of it all. They're going to be there. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Firstborn. 
First one up from the grave, isn't he? Never to die again. Now we're going to get resurrected. Why? Because watch the next verse. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, predestinate to what? To be conformed to the image of his Son. He did them he also called. Oh, look. Isn't that interesting? They're separated in idea, but yet they're together, aren't they? He called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. By the way, notice all of that is past tense. It was done the moment of your justification. So what do they have? Well, if you don't keep the faith and do the works to maintain the faith, do the works to show you're saved, then guess what you're going to do? You're going to lose. Paul says, no. He did it already all for you. This is the benefit package. You got it because you trusted Calvary. And guess what? You ain't losing it because he sealed you in it. (laughs) You know? At the schoolyard, at the bus, at the districts, when you work at the school districts, usually they have a life insurance policy, part of their little free gimmick thing. Uh, Benefits gimmicks. Benefits. But as soon as you quit, guess what happened to the life insurance? It stopped. I'm sitting there going, well, shoot, man. I'm gonna, but if I know I'm going to die, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get behind the bus. and No kids on board, and I'm going to die, and then they can pay the kids the money. <laughs> you know, right? But no, this isn't the case. You're in it, and you can't lose it. You see, folks, in his son, the father, he has an eternal purpose and the father's purpose is in his son to take those who trust him and give them some benefits verse 30 is a wonderful verse man it's a tremendous verse to help you see the issue of God's faithfulness he said he was going to do it and guess what he did it and he will do it That's why he'll say, verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? Isn't that interesting? Who's going to argue this? Well, a bunch of of highly educated Bible ignoramuses argue about it. You figure that one out. Okay? If God be for us, who can be against us? Is he for you? Look at what he just did to you. He made you the called of Jesus Christ. All, everyone who by faith, everyone who responds positively to the claims that Scripture makes regarding the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? They now belong to Jesus Christ. So, because of that, we then participate. We eternally participate in the Father's purpose regarding His Son. I like the way that's, I wrote that down. Somebody else said that, but I like that. I was like, yeah, because it's always by what? By faith. Response. By the way, look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? See verse 39, the end of that? Shall, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We will never be separated from the Lord's, from, from the love of, from God's love. 
okay? Yet, God's love for the sinner, they will be separated from. Now, Romans 5, 8, but God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He does love the sinner, but one day, they're going to be separated from his love. One day, that unbeliever will be separated for eternity from the love of God. It's called the lake of fire. You and I never lose it. Well, what a benefit. What a great thing. We'll never be out of it. We'll never have to wonder, if I don't do this over here, then I lose fellowship with him. 1 John 1, Niners. Well, if I don't over here and toe the line, then I'm going to lose none of that ever. All that's theology. It's good to be in the group. <laughs> it's good to be in the called of Jesus Christ. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. You guys see what's going on here? I hope you do. Something to think about. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 9. I, just, I want you to just take a few minutes and, and see a couple other places where Paul uses that terminology calling or called. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Isn't that interesting? See how he separated salvation and calling, the holy calling there? You don't have a calling until you're what? Justified, saved. But now keep reading the verse because it doesn't end there. Not according to our works, but according to his own what? Purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Because we're a part of, come back, hold on to 2 Timothy, run back to Ephesians 4. Because we are a part of the called, because we're a part of the body of Christ, we have a what? We have a holy calling. We have Something to do. Ephesians 4 and verse number 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are, what? Called. You see, folks, we have a function. There's a, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have a function, have a job for us to do. But you know what? He didn't just say, go, go do the OJT. He said, here, I'm going to fully equip you to do that job. And he gets into it. Now go back to 2 Timothy 1. I want you to notice in verse number 9, we have a holy calling, not on, not on our own works. Folks, your efforts would never get it done. You would have never thought to ask the Lord to die on Calvary Tree for your sin. You just wouldn't have done it. You know what you would have said? What can I do? Let me help you out. But what I want you to see in that verse is we have a holy calling according to his own what? And where is his purpose? It's in his son. It's in Christ Jesus. Christ is the center. He's the heart. He's the root. He's the, he's the everything. Come back over to Philippians 3. So we have a holy calling. Philippians chapter 3. And again, we can go on and on and on. 
there's Philippians 3. I do these so that you just be reminded. Philippians 3, verse 14. Philippians 3, verse 14. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Where? In Christ. See, I talk, every time that call, calling call comes up, Christ Jesus is close by. And usually it's in Christ Jesus the majority of the time that I've found it. Okay? It's right there. He's right. Now, press towards the mark to get saved and justified and get in the elect. What are you doing pressing? You don't even know if you're doing it right. It's not according to your works. It's according to what? His activity. The high calling. We're to press towards that mark. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Verse number 15. Colossians 3, 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Again, called in one body. Not unto one body, but what? In. That's your identity. That's where you're at. So the call of Jesus Christ is about identity. It's who you are. Come over to 1 Timothy 6. Here's the one verse, 1 Timothy 6, where the issue of called and eternal life are in the same verse. 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 12. And this is the only verse I found this way. That's why... You know, if you find another one, good, then that means you're studying. <laughs> First Timothy 6, verse number 12, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before me. See that, also called, laying hold on eternal life? That, they don't have anything to do with each other, Okay. He's telling Peter, I'm telling Peter, telling Timothy here, but think about the future. Don't just worry about the nasty now and now. You mindset out there. Now go back to Romans 1. So when he starts, Romans 1, verse 6, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Again, who are we? The called of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. It's not anything to do with your justification. That's, by the way, going to come here in a little bit in Romans. It has everything to do with the fact that when you did trust Christ and he does place you into the body of Christ, that there's a benefit package and, and, and a component of that is being the called. Having a holy calling, having a high calling, and so forth. Now watch verse 7, and we're going to just look at it quickly and we'll get into verse 7 next week. But to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, so we're going to come back to the beloved of God, called to be what? Saints. See, that there's that, the next called. Called to be what? Saints. Folks, that's our name. That's our title right there. This is our, our standing, our, 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 who we are, our identity. And the fact that you and I are called saints, and this is where you've got to begin to learn to, to, to make some differences between standing and state, the fact that we are called to be saints. We be what? Saints. 
It's just like Romans 5.1 when he says, being justified. You be justified. <laughs> okay, that's who you are. That's part of your components. But the fact that we have this as our name has nothing to do with our behavior, our state. How do you know that? Well, let's look at a wonderful group called the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because what tends to happen in the theology and the religion push, and by the way, this is where Rome picks up 1-7 and says we're going to have the sainthood. Now next week we're going to talk about what it is to be saints, and we'll talk about the beloved of God and so forth. So I'm not, we're not going to dump into this, but I just want you to see that you're called to be saints. Part of the called of Jesus Christ is to be a what? is to carry the title, the moniker, the name of a saint. Have you ever seen a sinning saint? I'm looking at them. <laughs> and you're looking at one, okay? Yeah. Is that, should that be? No. Romans 6 has taught us what? We're dead to that mess. We don't have to live that way. You choose to live that way. Honestly. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. Look at verse number 2. Under the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be, what? Saints. With all that in every place called upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Isn't that interesting? What did he call the folks at Corinth? Called them saints. But their activity, if you look over in chapter, hold on to one, look in chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto what? Carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ. Verse 3, verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Boy, when he says, I fed you with milk, look back at chapter 2. Could preach these verses all day long. Chapter 2, look at verse number 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see where Paul calls Calvary milk in 3.1, 3.2. I could only deal with you on the basic issues of Calvary. What does he say in 3.2? I fed you with what? Milk. I wanted, back in 3.2, and not with meat. I wanted to get you the meat, but you're babes. You can't get off the milk, spiritually speaking. What an indictment against the Corinthians. But they're what? They're saints. Uh, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Notice how he defines what carnality is. It's very interesting. Now come back to chapter 1. They're saints, aren't they? But yet their activity, their behavior is not one, <laughs> is not very beneficial, is it? Look at, go back to chapter 1. Look at verse 9. God is faithful. 
Boy, what a statement for the Corinthians to catch. What a statement for you and I when we get off on our little snits. That God is what? Faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that interesting? Called unto the what? The fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Our... Folks, you're the called of Jesus Christ. You're the saint. Fellowship. By the way, notice it doesn't say called unto eternal life. Called unto fellowship. We have this eternal union with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this eternal heartbeat with Him. Our Being a saint has nothing to do with our practice and what we're doing day to day. It has everything to do with who we are in His Son. That's what it's about. Come over to chapter 6 of Corinthians. Chapter 6, 1 Corinthians. You see, folks, the Corinthians' behavior has nothing to do with them being or not being called unto the fellowship of his dear son, Jesus Christ our Lord. They're what? They're a saint because what they do? By faith, trusted Calvary, and one of the benefits is you now have a new name given to you, one of them which is saint. Okay? By the way, another one is a brother. Another one is a sister. I'll be honest with you, we tend to drop that brother term a lot quicker than sometimes I think we ought to. <laughs> you see? We carry different names because of who we are where? In his son. Now, watch 1 Corinthians 6. Watch verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So the, the, the sinners won't get there. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. All in that list that he gave there, the Corinthians did. We don't have verses on them being an effeminate. But why else bring it up unless they were what? They were doing it. Because, you know, how you know that is verse 11. And such were, what? Some of you. Some of you guys fit that list. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What Paul's dealing with there is that God is faithful. He's faithful to do what, he had, what we had no ability to do for ourselves. And that was save, be justified. And that was to carry the moniker of the saint. Now, when you go back to chapter 1 of Romans, it's time to quit. Verse 7, we're going to look next week at the issue of, of what it is to be a saint and so forth. I'm not just, I just wanted you to catch in verse 7, called to be. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we belong to. Theology doesn't have a leg to stand on. Again, they write books, they sell books, they are that issue over there in 2 Corinthians 11 about being false teachers and look like they're doing something right and yet they're leading people down, they're deceiving the simple and so forth. 
in 1 Corinthians 11, when Paul talks about, or 2 Corinthians 11, when he talks about the simplicity that is in Christ, that ought to be your standard when anything you read, anything you look at out there. Is it simple, and does it promote the Lord Jesus Christ? That's why when you look at the Bible issue, I'm going to talk about this next hour a little bit. Hey, it's simple. It's not complex. We make it complex. We why? oh, no, come on, give me something new, Rick. <laughs> Boy, you've been pounding 20 years of this old stuff in me. Give me some. Yeah, but you need the old stuff pounded in you. I do. Okay, I preach to me first, way before I ever get to you. Okay. Called, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ. Folks, we belong to Christ because that's the package we're a part of. Keith Blades used to call it the package deal. And that's what it is. It's the package. It's the benefits. And in that, we carry the moniker of a saint. And that's who we are. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your, in your son. We thank you for everything you've done for us, for everything you've given to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's